TED Audio Collective. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until that presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case. Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com, designed for work. This is Zigzag, the business podcast about being human. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and welcome to step two of the Zigzag Project. This is six episodes to help you reset yourself and your work to figure out how to better align your ambitions with what you want to see in the world. Like a listener named Emily, who is a mother of three and therapist turned entrepreneur. It's really, really hard. It's really hard to make a new fledgling business work and stay in alignment with my values. We're making something I really believe in, a solution I think we do really need in the long term. I hope you keep coming back to the center of why are we doing any of this? <laughs> why are we doing any of this? I really recognize that sound in your voice. Exhaustion mixed with determination to do things differently. You are not alone. According to one women's networking site, one in four women are looking to start a business after the pandemic. Two out of three are planning a career change. And a lot of them have no idea how they're going to make that happen. Because, of course, here in the U.S., women have made up the bulk of job losses since February 2020, especially women of color. We've also seen record numbers of women not even trying to get back into work or dropping out because of caretaking duties. Because when healthcare and childcare aren't a given, neither is a career. Like for Kelly. I'm mostly a stay-at-home mom who's trying to switch her career. I wish that I could hire childcare and begin a balanced life working on something I value and am passionate about, as well as spending time with my kids, husband, family, and friends. That's, that's the goal, ideally. That's the dream. Kelly, yeah, thank you for the reminder. That is why we are here, to keep that dream alive. But also, in the next few episodes, to make a realistic and concrete plan of action. It may take longer than you hoped, and you may not get everything you want all at the same time, because it is harder to not just look out for yourself. Capitalism is not set up to function that way. But we have got each other here, and we're going to try. So, onward. Last time, we learned about the neutral zone, that place between ending what was and moving forward to what may be. If you're doing the assignments, hopefully you took the ZigZag Project survey and filled in your blanks. If you're like, what are you talking about? All that info is at zigzagpod.com, or just go back, listen to the first episode to get started. And if that first step was about reflecting, today is about imagining. 
and we are going to stay in the neutral zone. No pressure on ourselves, no timelines, no financial constraints. Not yet, anyway. We're going to get a little dreamy. Because we want to live our best life and help other people live their best lives and pay the bills. And it can be really hard to picture what that even looks like. That's where this woman comes in. Hi, Manoush. It's great to be with you. My name is Priya Parker. I am a conflict resolution facilitator and writer and researcher. Priya Parker is probably best known for her book, The Art of Gathering. But years ago, when I was trying to figure out what the heck I was doing with my career, someone recommended that I talk to Priya. Visioning has come up on this podcast before, but Priya had a very hands-on method. She calls what I did with her a visioning lab. I asked her to record a short kind of seminar on it for you. A visioning lab is something that I started doing about a decade ago when I was working with groups and individuals and realized that part of the conflict or noise in the system was that people didn't actually know what their vision was, what their sense of purpose was. At a moment of transition, if people were trying to figure out what to do or a market has drastically changed or in a family, a patriarch or matriarch dies, there's some kind of interruption. And a visioning lab was basically a process, a space, an experience that helped people step out of their everyday life and ask, you know, what is my vision? What is the biggest need in the world that you might have the passion and capacity to address? You know, I haven't done an individual lab in quite some time. (laughs) Manoush, you were one of my last ones in part because You know, as a facilitator at different moments in one's work or one's career, you learn different processes, you learn different toolkits, you learn different ways to help a group. And for a period of my life, probably eight years, I began to realize the importance of vision and clarity and conscious decision making. And I wanted to understand how to help people get very, very, very clear on their sense of purpose and on their vision for a community or for an organization. And so when I ran them, they were often four-hour experiences that asked people to step back from their everyday life and answer questions like, if you had no concerns in the world and money wasn't an issue, how would you spend your time? What are 20 different ways you would spend your time? Often because the first few answers, people often say something like, I'd go on vacation. And then after the kind of get those questions out of your system, people's answers were actually often very, very, very clarifying. I have done these labs with uh, individuals at moments of transition, artists, uh, political leaders, leaders of organizations, college students, high school students, anybody who shows up to a public lab when I used to do them. And I think what a visioning lab has helped people to do is ask the questions that are often kind of maybe in the back of your head, kind of implicit, and just put it at the forefront of your head and spend time and space to actually look at what are the moments I felt most alive? What moments are coming up and what was common about those moments? What are they, how are they different? What does it say about me? Was I with others? Was I alone? What was I actually doing? And the core of the work that I was trying to do with these groups is helping people detangle 
the activity from the actual underlying skill or value set or context that they're working in. You know, a vision might be something that's very lofty and far in the future, but at the core of the work is actually a very practical question, which is looking in front of you and saying, what is the need here? What is it that I know how to do? And how do I want to spend my time? And slowing down and actually answering those questions in a very specific way, and then, you know, building a life around it or building work around it. One of the things that Priya had me do was close my eyes and imagine I was at my 80th birthday party. And I had to describe for her where I was, who was there, what I was wearing, and what qualities people were celebrating me for. It was pretty trippy. And yes, clarifying. Priya has had a very special place in my heart ever since. Because honestly, listeners, her process worked. It's why I'm talking to you right now. I do remember very fondly doing this process with you. And I don't remember you at all as resistant. I remember you as, uh, as very funny and, uh, and self-deprecating. <laughs> and underneath that, very curious and open and uh, worried and hopeful and courageous to pause and say, the way I've been doing my life was working for that period of time. And now I'm ready to let that go and figure out what's next. And I think the last thing I'll just say is, you know, I, um, as a facilitator, I've experienced my own kind of amount of pivot this year. Awkwardly or not, I literally wrote a book called The Art of Gathering. Um, and then gathering became something that was illegal and dangerous and, um, and, a, and a source of, of danger. And if I had said to myself, okay, I'm an expert in gatherings, I'm just going to, you know, sit the next couple of years out and had been attached to the form of my work, I would have been in a lot of trouble. And instead I paused and I asked, and I think this is kind of the, the question that we all, you know, may be helpful to ask in moments of transition, which is underneath, like at the core of what it is I'm doing, like what is it? What does a facilitator do? And in my case, I think it's I help people create meaningful connection despite significant obstacles. And I could see as a facilitator, like I understand group dynamics. I understand how you create psychological connection. And so when COVID hit this past spring, a huge part of my work began helping people see how do you create psychological connection even when you can't be in the same room. And so as people are thinking about, you know, how do I take my skills or how do I move beyond this transition to begin to, again, ask those questions, not what's the form of the activity of my work, but underneath it, what is it that I deeply know how to do? What are the problems I know how to solve? What are the skills I bring with me regardless of the context? And what is most needed now? So Priya says, go to the core of who you are to figure out what the business of you needs next. We're going to talk specifically how I want you to do it for your assignment after the break.
as I mentioned in the first episode of The Zigzag Project, 150 listeners were my beta testers for this process. And of those listeners who took the project survey, 60% have kids. And a third say that work flexibility, you know, location, hours, it is crucial. It is what makes their life work. Another half say that given the option, they would definitely prefer flexibility. But for all the other demands on listeners' time, on the whole, they are people who do live to work rather than work to live. Work matters to them. 60% say it's an important part of their identity. Another quarter say they define themselves by the work they do. Boy, do I get that. So your identity, how you see yourself, that's what we're going to work on now using Priya's visioning techniques with some tweaks by me. So here are your instructions. Get a piece of paper and a pen. Set a timer for 15 minutes. And then answer this prompt. It's exactly five years from now. Visualize what your life is like. More importantly, visualize what you want it to look like. Describe it in full detail. Don't worry about how you got there. Just picture where you are. What kind of awesome haircut do you have? What about your job? Do you go to an office? Do you have staff or an amazing boss? How do you feel about your work? Who do you help? Who helps you? What about your personal life? Do you live in the same place? What's up with your family and friends? What are you making for dinner? Keep going describing this until your 15 minutes are up. When the timer goes off, take a break. Go for a short walk. Don't listen to a podcast. Just stroll for 10 minutes. Chill. But before you go, do take some inspiration from a listener named Jackie in Philadelphia who did this visioning exercise and recorded it for us. Here's what she saw. Okay, this is Jackie Neal outside of Philly. And I'm going to uh, talk about the vision. And here's what I wrote down to all of the questions you posed. In closing my eyes, I envisioned myself in a light, airy, stylish pair of jeans and a cool top with a hot pair of fluvogs. Um, That's kind of how I roll. And I'm at work in that envision. I'm at work and it's a community space. I'm in a place that serves the community and it also serves my soul. When I'm at work, I feel at home. I feel that I created it and me and the person I love are proud of it. Um, So are my friends and my family. My job goes in and out of being demanding of my expertise as a photographer, curator, and arts professional, my knowledge of community and mutual aid, and has a large impact on social change. I feel proud. I feel directly responsible for positive changes and impact. I feel tired and strong and accomplished. I feel secure and feel I have enough income to support myself and my business and my artistic goals. I have a paid assistant. She is female and paid well. She has benefits. I have benefits. My partner is a huge support and talks to me about the creative world, what they read, and where we should go to explore creativity together. I see us vacationing in faraway lands on boats in crystal clear water, spending effortless and relaxing times together. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you so much, Priya.
Step three is next week. Things are going to get weird. Hello, Manoush. It's Claire. And I just finished the day three projects. And let me just say, I absolutely loved the weird ideas activity. The homepage of ZigZag is the place to go for more info, zigzagpod.com. You'll find the link to the survey, to guests, and the sign up for the newsletter, which comes out with each episode with extra articles, behind the scenes stuff. It's kind of like a guide to this whole project. You can email me at zigzag at stableg.com. I would love to hear what you're discovering during the project. But also, if you're just listening and not doing the project, you're just kind of along for the ride, that is totally fine too. Be wherever you need to be right now. Many thanks to audio engineers and composers David Herman and Dan DeZula, to Lauren Reimer for this season's illustration. Zigzag is a member of the TED Audio Collective and comes from Stable Genius Productions. I'm Manoush Zamarodi. Thank you so much for listening.